seeing this glory. He said, I am seeing Adonai. I'm seeing the Lord high and lifted up, sitting upon his throne, and his train filled the temple. And let me ask you this question. Could this be a vision of Jesus he's seeing? I do believe it is because in John's gospel, the 12th chapter, the 42nd verse says these. These things says Isaiah's. When he saw the glory of God and spake. So to me, I believe he is seeing a vision of the glory of God. And as this absolute essence, I cannot behold the glory of God, but he has given him a glimpse of him seeing him in the spirit. And that's what we expect, and that's what I'm believing that God is going to do here at his church, is give us a glimpse of his glory. And when his glory comes down, something is about to happen. Get ready, because there's going to be people that are going to get saved. Get ready, there's going to be people baptized with the Holy Spirit, and being used in the gifts, and signs and wonders, and miracles and healings will take place when his glory is revealed in this place. This is his church. And you heard Pastor John says, if it's his church, live like you are part of his church. People are going to live on the outside like they live on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? Because it's people who come in the, into the house of God will live differently here than they will out there. You know what I'm talking about? When we are part of his church, you need to live like you live in here on the outside also. Man, I have some notes here, and I just drift away from them so bad. I, I'm, that's right. Um. We know something that happens. When we experience the glory of God, there is a call into the ministry. Missionaries, evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles, when they have an experience of the glory of God, their lives are forever changed. I want you to notice what he saw. He says, I saw the Lord. I saw Adonai seated upon his throne. Now, see the patience of our infinite majesty of our Lord and Savior as he sits upon the throne. How many know that this world is a perfect world and everything is going great? How many know that in Washington we have the Democrats and the Republicans just getting along just really well? It, it makes me think of that man years ago that got on TV and said, couldn't we all just get along? That was Rodney King, you remember? And everything's going well. And around the world there's nobody being murdered. There's no, there's no persecution. Nothing's going on. What is that, is that, am I preaching the truth right now? Not that part because it is a mess. There is things happening in the world today, but even though things are bad and hurricanes and storms and wars and rumors of wars and things like that, God is still on his throne and he will never be dethroned. He cannot be kicked off by man. He cannot get kicked off by circumstances. He's still up there. He's still patient. He don't look over at the father and say, oh, I didn't see that happening. I didn't see those people about to quit the church. I don't know. I didn't see, I didn't see that terrorist that No way. He is still on the throne and waiting patiently for the time that he is going to tell Gabriel to blow the trumpet and come for his church. His church, are you ready to go? Now, I could say his church is the only one going to the rapture, and that'd be true. 
But when I mean that, I'm talking about his church worldwide, okay? Just make sure that if you watch it online, don't say, hey, they think that they're the only ones going. No, I'm telling you what, everybody that's bought by the blood of Jesus Christ is going at the time when he calls us home, either by the grave or the time he says, son, go get your kids. I don't know why I even write these notes down. But I'll tell you what, I feel like preaching today. I just come back from a conference where there's 8,000 8, men. You men, are you excited? <laughs> and you know who was at the men's conference? I'm going to tell you, Batman. He was there. We saw him. <laughs> and chiefs, yeah, we had two chiefs there too. The Lord has prepared his heavens for the Lord to sit on the throne. And sitting on the throne, he is high and lifted up. It is not merely above all thrones by the way of great power, but over them by the way of supreme dominion. There are kings and presidents and dictators around the world today, and they rule over their little tiny nations, but there's no one that has the dominion of our one who sits up on the throne. Hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, that you are still on the throne. And let me tell you what, if you can just get a glimpse of what I'm seeing, if you could just get a glimpse of the dominion of the four and twenty elders that continually saying, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and is to come. You would not worry about any other problem the rest of your life. Don't worry about it because worrying is like a long-tailed dog running through a room full of rocking chairs it's giving you it, it just, it, it just well you know what they're, they're dodging that it's giving them something to do it's like you sitting on a rocking chair giving you something to do you, and worrying it don't get you anywhere I'm telling you what don't worry about a thing trust in the one that has dominion over your life surrender your life to him he's got it under control why are we here as his church? Because years ago, uh, the, the, the previous church that used to be here, <laughs> Family Worship Church was Family Worship Center before that. We went through some tough times. We went through some, some major things, and I was trying to hold them together. And I found out that I learned a lesson. I should have learned that a long time ago. That, but, but it took me, you know what, I'm, I am just, I'm just dumb. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm not by myself. I made, I made a stupid mistake. I tried to hold everything. I'm trying to grab over here, trying to grab over here and hold things together. And finally the Lord said, okay, listen up, stupid. He didn't use those words, but he was speaking to my heart. And he says, I want my church back. And when he said, I want my church back, I said, okay, that's yours. It's your church, Lord, his church. And once I surrendered to him, I tell you what, I am rejoicing. I'm dancing. I'm, I, may, I may experience a little stress there once in a while, but I don't carry it very long because I know the one that's sitting on the throne. He's carrying it today. He's got it under control. So get a glimpse of the most high. We get a glimpse of the most high. You know what he sees? Isaiah says, whom shall I send? 
Jesus spake later on, he says, Go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Because all power is given unto him. He says, all power is given unto me. And by doing that, he's also given us that power because he is the one that's on the throne. Because he says, greater things than these shall you do. So, therefore, his church, fully believing in his glory... And rejoice therein so that his power shall feel his church. If we cannot behold his greatest glories, yet we pray that his presence by the Holy Spirit will fill this place like the perfume of the smoke. But do we really have a desire to see his glory? It fills this room. Let us come with adoration to worship the one that has control of everything. I've been to the ocean. I've seen the waves come in this tall before. It looks like it overtaking. It's like the Lord says, nope, that's far enough. When the enemy wants to overtake you, he says, nope, that's far enough. Here's another thing. When the enemy comes in, How many's heard this before? When the enemy comes in like a flood, when the enemy comes in like a flood, if you read it like that, it looks like the enemy's just coming in like a flood. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he's charging you. No, 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 no. Listen to this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, I will raise up a standard against you. See, that's the difference right there. Our God who sits upon the throne, he is the flood. Look out, devil, because he is the flood and he will dominate you. Woo, come on now. I I learned that at the Mavericks game. I'm not, I'm going to tell you, I was very well behaved at the Mavericks game when there was a fight on the ice too. Isaiah saw also the courts of the great king. He beheld the glorious attendance, the performance, homage that they were paying attention to God, those that were nearest to his throne. If the scripture tells us that the, the seraphims were above the throne, not they are higher than him. They were just there above him. The seraphims is a, is a fiery serpent. Don't have to worry about poison fangs on this one. It has hands. It has six wings. And then I can break it down and tell you about the six wings, but I'm not going to do that. But the fiery serpent. Once you notice these, these serpents may furnish with us a pattern of how we are to serve. You notice this fiery serpent, the, 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 the seraphims were there to serve our majesty. The ones sitting on the throne. They were at the beck and call of our one that is dominion. And instantly, all he has to do is speak the word and the seraphims are ready to serve. They're ready to fly into the place and serve at his call. And the reason for that is because they are 
by his throne. They're next to his throne. They're right there beside his throne. They're right there in connection. Let me tell you this. If we as his church are going to serve in our church and serve in our community, the best way that we can serve is get close to the throne. Because when you get close to the throne, you are there at earshot. Nobody has to yell at you. The Lord don't have to say, hey, hey, come on, come on. I need some volunteers. I need somebody to go witness to these. I need, no, 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 because all he has to do is say, go into all the world and preach the gospel because you will hear that call because you're close. You see, that's the example we got to follow is the seraphims being close to the throne so we can hear and experience and even feel the heartbeat of God. I'm praying, God, let your glory come upon us so much that we feel your heartbeat that from this day on as we launch out that we are ready to charge into the gates of hell carrying a squirt gun and a bucket of water because we have nothing to fear. Man alive, I thought I was just going to exhort to you today and just talk to you. Not really. Is this okay, our, our preaching today? I have to ask because he's a lot better preacher than me. We have, it, when my mama was around, she died a year ago. She would tell me, she said, yeah, I was good preaching. And my mama didn't tell anybody I was good preaching unless it was. So if she ever showed up here on a Sunday morning and she didn't say I was good preaching, then um, I just worked a little harder. I didn't hang my head. Get close to God. You see, the fiery serpent, which is the seraphim, they're a fire, a, a consuming fire. Did not John the Baptist said that there will be one who comes after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? And fire. Servants of God are on fire. Servants of God are ready to serve. There was some men who came up here last night to go and pitch a tent. We never pitched a tent. Instead, there was a prayer meeting broke out because there was some servants of God that caught on fire. Become like the seraphims and be close to God and be filled with his spirit and be men and women that are blazing hot for God. Because if we're not, we're either lukewarm, I mean cold or hot. You see, either that way we can become lukewarm warm. That means we don't do nothing. We just kind of settle down. God is wanting some servants that are on hot fire because you will make a difference in the world when you are on fire. Somebody say fire. Say it like they do down in the south. Fire. We're on fire. We're filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, I don't know if you haven't heard any preaching like this before, but it might get better. Hang on. Those who come near to him become like the seraphims. There's motion. There's quick. There's activity. They're willing to serve. They're awake. They're energetic. I hope that I never lose this energy that I have. That when I'm up here in a walker preaching, I can dance with a walker like this. That is what the seraphims did. Instantly, like that. Where are we going to serve? Wherever you want us, God, to serve. 
Are you ready to serve next week at the railroad days? We have a booth. We're just going to be out there passing out some good stuff. And there's going to be a lot of people. Hey, go over to this booth right here because they're giving away free stuff. And that's okay. But there's also going to be connections. Some people are going to come by and they're going to stop. They're going to begin to engage you in conversation because they're going to be needing somebody that's a friend to them. Serve them. Serve them. Around the throne, there was a union of worship. We find that the verse said, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the whole world full of his glory. You see, we are called to worship in union just like they did the seraphims and those around the throne to worship him, to worship him. I have worshiped with Southern gospel. I have worshiped him with, with, with rock gospel. I have worshiped him with rap gospel. But the thing is, I know that it comes from the heart. I will worship him. And even one year, Carla gave me a rap tune to rap here in a Christmas program and I thought I was a good rapper until I had to do it live and I was terrible. We're going to praise him. We're going to worship him. At his church, we're going to come in here and we're going to just lift him up and give him adoration because he is the only one worthy to give that kind of praise to. Because he is the one who went to the cross, who bled and died, but he didn't stay there. He rose again and he rose when he rose again. That gives us a reason to worship him. He is worthy. Somebody say he is worthy. Come on, just elbow your neighbor and say, listen up. He is truly worthy. We have got to praise him. There has got to be a union of praise. I believe if we get to praising him so hard and so loud on a Sunday morning that perhaps Jesus will look over there, the one sitting on the throne and say, hey, you elders and you angels, would you just be quiet for just a moment? I want to listen to what's going on down there in Pleasant Hill because them people there, they're redeemed. You were created. You have no choice. You're going you're gonna to praise me. These people down there, they have a choice and yet they are choosing to bow their knees right now. Listen to him. Listen to the smoke and the perfume that's going through his church today. <sighs> While you praise his holiness, do not forget his power, but adore him as Jehovah of hosts. He is a great and a good God. Some people think our God is an angry God, and he's a God of judgment. And yes, there's coming a day that he will be. But the blood of Jesus Christ has covered a multitude of sins. He forgave our sins before we even committed them. That means he, com he forgave future sins that were not even committed yet. Our God is a good God to do that. He is a good God. He is high. He is lifted up. He is potent. He is pure. He has created the heavens and the earth and all the host in him. Legions of angels are doing his bidding. A host of intelligence wait for his call. All forces of nature, they are there ready at his command. Let the whole world be filled with his glory. Now in America, we're seeing 
that there is secularism taken over. And, and uh, if you speak about it in politics, there is uh, liberalism and conservatism. And uh, we find that uh, in a study that says that there are uh, a declining in the American church. And around the world, uh, we find that in South America and Africa and uh, those nations right there, they are exploding and thousands of people are getting saved. But there's some that will say in America, there's a decline. The churches have plateaued. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. I'm going to refuse to believe that. Uh, I, when I see those statistics, I'm just going to ignore them because most statistics are made up right up at the time that the statistics are, are, are spoken about. I choose not to really believe that and accept that because I'm going to tell you something. When his church is filled with his glory and there's a people of God that come together and they praise and they serve on the inside and they serve on the outside. Get ready. There is not going to be a declining in the, his church. There's going to be souls that will be saved and it won't be long that we'll be taken up an offering and saying who will buy a chair who will buy another chair because we're going to feel more add more chairs in this place because people want to go to some place where they can experience a touch of God thank you Jesus for putting this in my heart today hallelujah maybe they'll call me next year I'll go get to preach down at the men's conference one of those guys may not be able to make it Hallelujah. I want you to put that first verse back up there. Would you look at this first verse. In the year King Uzziah died, he was high. Oh, there he is. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Isaiah's having a vision. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, have I gone my 20 minutes yet? Is anybody? All right. You men that went to the men's conference, you don't know this, but back by the media center, there was a time clock that said 40 minutes. They only gave the speakers 40 minutes. Can you put your watch up so I can see it back there? I'm good. I'm good. In the Old Testament times, when a king would lead his warriors, his soldiers into battle, when they would conquer the other kingdom, there was a defeated nation and a victorious nation. And the king would authorize his soldiers to go and just take the possessions of everything in there. I mean, well, they won. They took it. And so they would take that back for them. The king, however, would take the other king that was conquered and take his robe and cut off his robe and sew it to his own robe. And so that means that the conquering king his robe kept getting longer and longer. So when he would enter into the throne chamber from the bedroom chamber of his palace, if he was a conquering king, his robe kept getting longer and longer. 
In other words, when I looked at this word, I begin to get a revelation that the throne, the robe, the train of his robe, it is the only thing that's a little bit messy. It's something that's been drugged through the dirt and drugged through the mess because the conquering king was wearing the defeated king's garment sewed to his. Our conquering king, Jesus Christ, the train of his robe fills the temple and it's a bit messy. I see his glory and I see him high and lifted up. But if I look closer at the train, the parts that have been sewed to his train, I see that somebody that's been going through some loneliness, that's finding some difficulty to operate and feeling very sad and down, don't worry about it. That part's been cut off and it's sold to the king and sold to him. I see some people that are going through some addictions and struggling through life and saying, I can't beat this addiction. I've tried it. And you know what? You are absolutely right, but don't worry about it. I see a king that's sitting upon his throne that has had the other king of addiction cut off and sold to his, his robe. It's all right. There's victory in his church. I know I've seen some people that are going through some identity crisis. They don't know if they're a man or a woman, but I have counseled with one in this past year, a past couple years ago. But let me tell you what, when you get into the glory of God, do not worry about it because my God has cut that off the king's robe and sewed it to his garment. Somebody here or watching or listening online might be going through some suicidal thoughts thinking, I cannot make it. I cannot go another day. It's okay because my king that's sitting on the throne, he has cut that garment off and he sewed it to the end of his robe. There is victory over the king of suicide because I see the Lord. He is high and lifted up. He is on the throne and the train of his robe fills his temple. Are you somebody that's going through depression? You're blue. You can't get over it. You're having to take medication to try to keep you from not being depressed. Don't worry about it because my king upon the throne has that dirty garment sewed to his robe also. He is the king over depression. It is defeated in the name of Jesus. Somebody that's bound by sexual perversion and can't get loose of pornography and that king has got you bound. Don't worry about it. There's a filth of that that's dragging on my king's robe. It's been cut off. He's given you victory over over that. Oh, that's okay. If you're going through betrayal and you've been broken and beat down and your heart is broken up, that's all right. My king has it cut off. It's dragging through the dirt, but he's giving you victory over it. Hallelujah. Somebody give him praise today because I'm not finished yet. I got some more to bring you. Hallelujah. You're feeling worthless. You've been beat down. Somebody's told you never amount to anything. You've gone through a divorce and everything is so troubling your mind. You don't feel like you can amount to anything. You can't hold down a job and you're just struggling because everything went wrong with you as a child. And you can blame all that on, on your past father and mom. And that's okay because lay the blame where the blame is, is, is truly from. But even though that might be a king in your, in your life, you, it's been cut off and it has been 
tied and do the to the king's robe today and the train of his robe is getting longer and longer and longer i'm gonna tell you if you are going through bitterness and you're struggling because you can't break this bondage of bitterness it's been cut off the king of bitterness robe and it's been tied to the king of kings the lord of lords somebody i want to let you know that there is victory in the name of jesus unforgiveness i'll never forgive them for what they did to me Uh, let me tell you what that sin has got to be cut off our king has already cut it off on the throne he said it is finished he said these words father forgive them for they know not what they do it's been cut off and tied to his robe hallelujah man i need to get a rag and wipe my bald head I've got to close this in a few minutes, but I don't, I don't know how I'm going to, but I must remember Egbert from New York. (laughs) Brother, we had a preacher preaching for us. He'd say, I must bring it to a close. And he preached for two hours. I don't know how many times he closed. It wasn't a Sunday morning. It was a Sunday night. He kept on going now. Good thing we got these new chairs out here. You guys be comfortable. The vision of ordination. Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord. And he felt within himself that he was less than nothing. He cried out and said, Woe is me. When he used that term, woe is me, it was a a cry of desperation. I am not worthy. For he says, I am undone. Undone is I am cast off. I, I cease to really amount to anything. I am undone. Notice he was not feeling worthlessness. He was just feeling something in the presence of God that he knew he could not match up with the holiness of glory that God was. He said, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips or impure both ethically and religiously. Uh, My vocabulary has not got the right existence to even uh, be uh, someone that can even give praise to such a great king that he is. For uh, my, my lips are, uh, are unclean. And, and, and you know what? I'm surrounded by a bunch of people just like me. So if you thought that everybody here was perfect, you are sure wrong. Because guess what? I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. I am a man with unclean lips. I am undone. I want you to notice he said, I am undone. And the only way that you can get done is to be destroyed and become undone. When I went to basic training, they had a, they had something that they had to do. They had to beat me down and destroy me to make me into a, a soldier. When we are undone, it means I am destroyed by your presence, Lord. I cannot 
be holy enough to get into heaven. So therefore, I have to have the blood of Jesus Christ take my place because I can never make it. I am undone. And once we recognize that I am undone and I don't have anything in my life left to give, I give you my weakness because it's the only thing that our God does not possess because he says, I am on the throne. I saw the Lord high and seated upon the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. All we see is a powerful dominion, a power of God. So he has no weakness. So the only thing he requires, the only thing he wants from you is your weakness because he has none. That's what the best thing we can give to God. I am undone. And once I become undone, I know that he is going to use me in the, in the kingdom of God. How long, how we long to join the seraphims. The seraphims came and with a hot coal from the altar and placed it upon his lips. And, and he says, your sins and your iniquity is, um, is taken from you. Carla, you're going to have to come over here. I'm going to keep on preaching. But don't play until I give you that signal, just in case I do. The seraphim could give him praise, but he said, my lips are unfit to give you praise. I'm unfit to do that. Uh, I'm, woe is me. I'm a man of sin, unclean lips. And once the coal came from the altar and touched his lips, it was then that he experienced the forgiveness of who God was. Now, I'm going to say something today, and I want you to I want you misunderstood, misunderstand me. His church, when there is the glory of God and the visitation of his robe in the temple, we do not even have to preach against sin. Now, don't misunderstand me in my theology. Yes, I'm going to preach against sin when it calls time, but I'm going to talk to you something. No one had to reveal to Isaiah that he was a sinner. No one had to say, listen, boy, you better get your life straight. You better, get, you better stop messing around. You, be, you, better, you better get stop all that junk you're doing and stop that running around and get yourself right with God. No one had to say it. Because he experienced the glory of God and he said, woe is me. You are to be carriers of the presence of God. And being a carrier of the presence of God, whether you're in this place or outside, when you come close to somebody, they need to experience the presence of God in your life. When someone comes into this place right here and we have worshiped and we have anointed preaching and we have experienced the glory of God, all I'm going to have to do is just say, are you ready to receive Christ? I'm not going to have to say, listen here, let's go through Romans chapter 1. We're going to begin to list all the sins because you know what? I know there was over 600 laws in the Old Testament and the Word of God says that if you break one of them, you are guilty of all of them. Therefore, I have been guilty many times. And by being guilty many times, I know that if I'm in the word of God and if I'm in the presence of God, all of that begins to go away because uh, I'm in his presence.
I'm believing that the glory of God and his presence is going to be so strong in his church that I will not even have an opportunity sometimes to preach because people are going to run to the altar and say, I must get saved. I must be born again. I must be forgiven because the sin is being revealed because of the glory of God. And he said, who shall I send? Isaiah said, send me. But he was only able to be sent after his sins had been purged. You cannot be witnessing for God trying to straddle the line. Because you're trying to live holy on the inside, but not holy on the outside. And on the outside is where the people are going to see you. And they're not going to want part of that if they see you doing the same thing that they're doing. Now it's getting quiet. But once his sins were purged, and the one on the throne said, Who shall I send? Isaiah puffed up his chest and said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. And just a few verses before that, he's saying, Woe is me. I am an unclean man. I'm a man with sin. I'm a man of unclean lips. I can't do it. You know what? When the Holy Spirit changes you, he makes you bold. Here am I. Send me. Now I'm getting close. I mean, you, you can go ahead and step a little closer now. Is it on? There it is. It was turned off. He was going to be playing an acapella keyboard. I've never heard of that before. Okay, real lightly. Real lightly. Um, I'm going to skip to verse 11. And I, I, I saw this last night. It says, then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities lay waste. And without inhabitants, the houses are without men. And the land is utterly desolate. How long? The one sitting on the throne is calling us to serve until there's nothing left. That means never give up and keep on going where he has called you to go. I'm not giving up. I'm staying right here. I almost gave up two and a half years ago. My friend Gary was concerned about me and he prayed for me and he was just... He was hurting along with me, and I almost gave up. I was looking for a place to run. But if this place, the economy of this town begins to go bad, and people begin to move up, and shops begin to close in town, and, and, and pretty soon there's poverty in this town, and, and, and there's, uh, we can't even buy groceries in this town, or the shelves are empty, and we see destiny, we're almost still going to serve him in this place here. Because how long? I'm never 
going to give up. Now, he may call me to go somewhere else, and that's fine. I don't want to, but I'm telling you, I'm going to serve him to the day I die. My dad says he just wants one more soul, one more soul. It means he's not giving up. He is serving God continually. You see, that's the way, woe is me. Who shall I send? How many know when you was in class and you had the answer, what did you do? Pick me, pick me, pick me. Uh, 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 Timmy knows. Tim, Tim knows. I got the answer. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Pick me, pick me, pick me. You have the answer. Come on, put your hands up and say, "Pick me." Uh huh. You have the answer. Who shall I send? The answer is, "Here am I. Send me, and don't stop serving." Once you go, will you stand up right now?